As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to the Tampering Podcast, part of the Athletic NBA Show Network. I am Sam Amick, NBA National Writer at The Athletic. We got Anthony Slater out west. We got Fred Katz out east. We've got NBA regular season basketball around the corner. More specifically, gentlemen, we got some awards talk today. We are going to try to project, predict, analyze, pontificate about awards this season. Now, the listeners might be like, whoa, 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 record scratch. little early for that. What are we doing? The general idea is to just get a sense of what we think might happen in the six months to come in terms of best players, best teams, you know, best executives, meaning like, hey, if you made some great moves in the offseason, which ones we think are going to pay off. So that is the structure of the show this week. Um, at the top, though, however, quickly, uh, Slater and I are going to talk about Kings Warriors. We were there last night for a preseason extraordinaire. Uh, and, and once we get that conversation done, guys, I'm handing the microphone off this week because Fred Katz is a, a more capable and a more prepared host than myself this particular week i'm not giving it beyond this week fred but you know i've been on the run you got thoughts ideas structures you're sharp uh you look you know far more put together than me so i think you're the man this week in a few minutes but first later um you and i were at chase center last night and you know king's warriors in the playoffs last year was arguably the best series of them all, at least in the early, you know, going uh, seven games, Steph Curry burying the Kings with that 50-point epic performance in game seven. Um, and then last night, I guess he just decided that, you know, they hadn't had enough and he's going to give them a dagger three in the preseason that felt like a regular season, if not more game. Uh, he in gave season them the tournament game. Didn't it, didn't it feel like that could have been the the opening game of the in-season tournament? Slater, he dropped the nighty night. He put him to sleep as he was celebrating. There Was, was there confetti? Did I see confetti somewhere in the arena? I think that might have happened. Probably. But, yeah. I mean, it was, yeah. you know, it's up there waiting to be dropped. <laughs> uh, you know, I will say Trace Jackson Davis is the rookie he started for the Warriors. He obviously was not in the playoff series last year, but he mentioned post game that like he could feel the rivalry suddenly in the fourth quarter like he it was like a feeling of somebody who wasn't around last year like oh these teams like not that they don't like each other but like oh they want to beat each other right now and it, even though it is preseason 
it's just that in-state thing, obviously, the seven-game series. I, it was also both teams decided this was the game they would have, like, the regular season dress rehearsal. So it was starters. They actually played an overtime game, remember, a couple of days before. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it was the Stockton Kings against the Santa Cruz Warriors, basically, in the fourth. Last night, it was starters versus starters. Uh, and I think both teams wanted the crunch time reps. And, yeah, I think the Warriors in retrospect, we're glad that they were the ones down 10 because it was a chance for Chris Paul and Steph Curry to go try to chase down a win, and it was pretty good preseason theater. I mean, they should have been glad that there was no camera on the sideline because Steph was definitely out of bounds when they lost that challenge on the Kings' side, but that's all right. They get Sam another Amick's shot. Sam been on 1140 Sports Talk Radio in fact, <laughs> morning. They're up in arms. I mean, it unless he's got the smallest loss. ass in the history of humanity, he was sitting on the line, but... There wasn't an angle. You know uh, what but, else we saw last night? And it, it's directly to the point you're making. That was Mike Brown's second challenge yeah. in the game because he won his first challenge. And they had to even announce, hey, new rule this year. You win Oh, yeah. How you about the second. comprehensive tutorial coming from the PA announcer? Fred, this man, I don't know, Slater, if you know his name. I don't know his name. But this guy, Matt Pittman, Matt Pittman. Pittman gets on the mic. And it, you would have thought you were on a conference call with the NBA's Monty McCutcheon explaining how the challenge change rule works he sits there and breaks down as if it's a third grade classroom you know how if you get one challenge correct you get to keep it and now the kings are using another challenge and the warrior the warriors don't lose their time out it was just it was great and it, it educated people but it didn't work for the Kings. steph hits the shot puts the kings to bed um yeah i don't have much on that game other than that other it was fun to uh you know i put some on instagram that was like all right this didn't feel like preseason like i guess we're back so i will give you one take one quick warriors related takeaway before we pivot to awards um chris paul was obviously in the closing lineup last night no draymond no kavon looney so that was an easy choice for steve kerr but he was the one setting up steph for for a few things he was the inbounder on on two of the key moments and it and if you listen to steve kerr post game and really if you listen to steve kerr talk you know on or you know to the side over the last three weeks it's pretty clear he's very high on the chris paul fit and i think will continue to you know maybe chris paul doesn't start on some nights but i think he's going to close a lot because steve kerr wants that guy out there as he continues to say organizing things uh late in games so it's just what a, is Draymond's status for the tuesday opener against phoenix draymond's uh yeah. He is not, you know, he's out obviously through the final preseason game. They're playing Wemba Yama on uh, Friday, but he they're reevaluating Sunday. Sounds like he's going to try to do some three on three, maybe even advance to some five on five over the weekend. If that goes well, I mean, it's pretty clear he's pushing, wanting to play in that game, right? It's the it's one of the marquee games of the season. Kevin Durant's first time in front of fans in Chase Center, uh, so I think he's going to try to push to play. He's getting pretty close. Uh, we'll see if if the, he gets the green light. The podcast if numbers plays and we'll, we'll cap the podcast numbers will be great if he plays. He is actually wearing a, a hat last night that said the Draymond Green. I saw. Okay. I saw that was. Oh, he also. I'm all for, by the way, players using themselves as billboards when they're not playing. Like you see guys sure. wearing their own logo, Draymond marketing his own podcast. I think JJ should come out of retirement and just sit there at the edge of some team's bench and be inactive and wear, wear an old man in the three podcast shirt. Be perfect. I mean, if Nick Nurse can wear, you know, his own yeah, hat, yeah, exactly. then, yeah. Fred, um, it was, oh, shoot, what direction was I going to See, this is why you were, you were about it, to already have a take about the start. Oh, no, I was going to say if Draymond plays, is Chris Paul starting? 
I would say maybe not. I mean, by the way, he came off the bench last night. That was the first time. And again, it was no Draymond, no Looney. They still brought him off the bench because, you know, they're, they're trying to uh, find different combinations. They want him to operate more like Chris Paul, and that means getting him in the second unit more. He ran a bunch of pick and roll with Dario Saric last night, which they wanted to see. He'll be paired with Kaminga at times. Um, my guess, to be honest, well, well, I would say this. I think Draymond, when Draymond comes back, he's going to be on a minute restriction. I can see Draymond getting the green light for the opener play at 20 minutes and Draymond coming off the bench. But I do think we're leaning towards Chris Paul being an off-the-bench player who closes on most nights. All right, if you want more, go to the All-82 pod. That's enough. There you go. That, that, that good brand and marketing. I need a hat right now for the YouTube feed. <laughs> Fred, let's go. League-wide. What are we doing All here, right. brother? Is- you are in charge. The mic has been passed. I am the host now. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So we're just going to start this over. Andrew, our fantastic producer, we can just delete everything that happened on the podcast and start here right now. So I do like the con. I do the countdown for those who don't know. It's a three, two, one. And hello and welcome to the real edition of the Tampering Podcast at the Athletic NBA Show. <laughs> I am your new host, successfully leading a coup to take over this show, Fred Katz. And I'm joined by the fantastic and talented Anthony Slater and the far too drunk to host Sam Amick. Wow, I oh like boy, this intro. <laughs> this is all they know. They didn't hear the first part. They have no idea what's going to happen. Well, I mean, I like this. have no the proof best of what's ever. in this copy <laughs> of any tampering fact. You, can't you called see me fantastic and talented, and you called Sam drunk. Yeah, eight thirty a.m. Smirching my good yeah. name. Well, be smirching your name, Sam. Not. Your- <laughs> that's it all right the show's still going show Fred. Still let's going. go all what right so today we are going to be talking about awards you turn me into a media critic i'm just gonna sit here and rail on you first of all come on now second of all i would love that that sounds like a great podcast dynamic uh we are talking awards today as sam said previously and we're going to use them as a jumping off points uh i have five written down the five i have written down and we're going to do it in this order because i like it in this order our Rookie of the Year, Most Valuable Player, Defensive Player of the Year, Coach of the Year, and Executive of the Year. We are not going to talk about the dumbest award in existence, Most Improved Player, because that is incredibly stupid. And it's the only award in any industry in which you can try to win your argument by arguing the reason that the person you believe should win should win was because he was worse the year before. And it's just... A terrible award, so we're not talking about it. We're leading with Rookie of the Year. What we're going to do is we're all just going to kind of throw out names, people we think could be candidates, we think could be good, and then at the end, we'll go around the circle and we will file our official predictions. Uh, Rookie of the Year, there is one name that comes to mind for everybody, I believe, Grady Dick. Uh, Sam, <laughs> is is there anybody else you want to throw into the picture? Case and Wallace, as I cheat and look at Vegas odds. No, Mr. Wembenyana will be the natural, obvious pick. I will get that name out of the way. He's not my pick. I didn't. We're not you know doing what? picks, Slater. You know we're what? Screw it. Picks. Screw it. No, Slater gave it away. Slater, do it. Do it. Because I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to agree. Chet Holmgren. He's awesome. He's, He's my like pick. awesome. Uh, he here come the, the OKC boys. Look at this, dude. He Play has the cowboy here. music. Select. I don't know. I don't Schleck's know. He's got it's a lot gonna... of cowboy hats. He just did a bit in OKC with hats and like talking about Oklahoma things. I didn't know I was getting ganged up on here. 
You know what Chet Holmgren gets that that Wembayama won't get? I think. I mean, we'll see what happens. But like you know, playoff from you. You know, winning basketball potentially like late in the season. Hey, he's contributing to a winner, right? That was some of the argument for Keegan Murray, who obviously didn't win it last year and, and shouldn't have. But good argument though. Good job. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you're part of a component of a of a winner potentially. And and what he's looked awesome. I mean, that's mostly what I want to talk about. Like Chet Holmgren has looked incredible in the preseason on both ends of the floor. I I thought he was going to be not as advanced and ready offensively as he has looked, and then defensively. I mean, you see him block the little three or jumper the other day. I don't think it was a three. Uh, and yeah, call him step too back small. on the right side, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and he called him too small. And it's just – it's that I saw him do a primetime celebration like the Dion one, and it's it's not even just what he's doing on the court, but his the way he's acting as he's doing it, it's like, okay, he's re- he thinks he's ready at least. Yeah, here's my prediction. I think it's going to be like an all-time – epic rookie of the year showdown and we're gonna look back on this as like one of the best like one two rookie of the year ballots in the history of the league these dudes are both already awesome like people called that that warriors kings game the game of the preseason Mm -mm. game of the preseason was the first half of that spurs thunder game where Wembenyama and Chet played against each other, were <clears throat> talking shit to each other, where Chet was tweeting after the game about how Wembenyama was throwing elbows and that was the only reason he was scoring on him. Chet that, scored. A headbutt. Yes, a headbutt. Sorry. Chet scored like 20 points in 20 minutes. Wembenyama scored like 20 points in 20 minutes. They're both pulling off crazy moves. Um, Chet Holmgren in the preseason, I know we absolutely should not get caught up on preseason numbers in either direction. But you watch it and you're like, holy crap. He shot 62% from the field, 56% from three. And he scored 18 points in 21 minutes a game. Those like, shooting percentages seem sustainable, Fred. They, I think that is going to be his season shooting percentages. But you watch them happen and you're like, wait, he's 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 pulling up off the dribble. Like, like he's going to pull up off the dribble out of pick and rolls. You know? Like, he is... He's he's gonna do that. And he he's an extraordinary talent at his size. And by the way, defensively, Wembanyama is also awesome defensively. And Slater, you mentioned this. But I really think this is where Chet missing the extra year. And maybe Andrew should weigh in on this, but I really think this is where Chet missing last year, but oh, yeah, still getting another to be, on. <laughs> be at NBA practices, be around NBA players, learn NBA defense, learn NBA offense, learn the culture, learn how it works. It shows in his game like he's he, we knew he was going to be a good defender, but he's like a quick rotator right off the bat. Super rare for a rookie. Is this like going to turn into is this going to turn into one of those uh, Donovan Mitchell, Ben Simmons rookie of the years? Remember, like Donovan yeah. was really anti like he shouldn't be even eligible. He got the mm-hmm. extra year. Yes, uh, yeah. that's actually exactly what it's going to be. That's the perfect comparison. That's exactly what it's going to be. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I love that y'all want to pump up your thunder, but you know, you don't got to act like like Victor didn't do anything in this preseason. Uh, 15, he 23, had a and few 20. Highlights. 15, must- 23, and 20 on on the scoring side with a combined, let's see, you can't do the math, 62 minutes total. Um, that's pretty good points per 48. Um, you know, six blocks. Uh, it'll be a fun matchup. Um, Scoot Henderson would like a word. He didn't show out to that degree early in this preseason, but since we're doing the whole 
throw names out. Like, how deep is this list, guys? Uh, I guess in terms of the, the the individuals that you think could actually win the whole thing. Uh, is it just Victor and Chet in your eyes? Or are you still giving Scoot or anybody else a, a sniff at this thing? Maybe Brandon Miller? I think, I think Scoot, Scoot is... Yeah. I think Scoot is really, really good. I think what we're going to see from him, because he hasn't really developed the fully consistent jump shot yet, is we're going to see him putting up probably really awesome counting numbers on somewhat inefficient stats, kind of like Cade Cunningham in his rookie year. And I think the world of his future, I think he's going to be freaking awesome. Uh, the Blazers are going to have shooting and they have a lot of good, like they're a really interesting young core, but like, you know, you're going to have like DeAndre Ayton down low. Jeremy Grant absolutely hits threes. But like if Scoot shows off to be an awesome driver and stuff, people will help off of Grant and onto him. And the, he's going to be playing with a lot of young, inexperienced, developing players who aren't going to know like the science of spacing the floor next to him. He's going to be driving into crowds like I just I the other two guys are so awesome. And, and like Slater said, like Chet, Chet's going to be doing it on a good team. And Wembenyama is just absolutely spectacular. Uh, like maybe Scoot scoots in at number three, but I, I, I do put him in that top two. I do wonder as the games pile up on you know those thinner bodies of Wembenyama and Chet, and also they go against you know regular season level intensity, like good power forward wings. You know, I think they're going to get guarded a lot of times with like wings that can get under them and really push them around a little bit. Or when they face bigger centers who are just throwing them around in the paint on a, you know, four games in, in seven nights type basis. Like, you know, I think some inefficiency is coming for them too. I think some bad nights are coming. So yeah, I think, I think that could open the door for like a scoot. I think the Thompson twins should be mentioned as just like, yeah, man, they say. look really good. They just want right. to score enough to be in this conversation. Well, but. what about, you know, I like the way you guys framed the Victor and Chet combo and the, that face-off is going to be a ton of fun. What about the idea that in OKC, that's, you know, SGA's team. And in terms of being deferential, like once the regular season hits, like Chet's going to have to remember whose team that is. In San Antonio, meanwhile, you know, Keldon Johnson led this person scoring and most of America and the basketball world doesn't know who he is. So as far as opportunity, um, you know, I would probably give the nod to, to Victor there in terms of just taking over on a nightly basis. Yeah, I guess. I mean, Chet's also like, when you watch last year's Thunder team, what, what do you say that like first unit could use the most? It could use a shooter. It could use anyone who can defend in the paint like their center rotation last year was such a problem it was the biggest problem on that roster and they would play other Jalen Williams number two Jalen Williams they would play him at the big spots all the time but he's like a charge taker and I think will be a nice player but he's just like a charge taker and they don't have pain protection and if you have this you have this dude who's going to give you everything that you needed in one guy I just think he's the perfect complement to that team. He's he can feast off of just like working off next to Shea and working next to Giddy. And like some of those Lou Dort shots get redistributed to to Chet. Like all of a sudden, now those guys are propping him up. Like from a stylistic standpoint, he's like a perfect fit. I think next to Giddy and next to next to Shea. So it's possible it goes the other way too. Where those Fred, guys before, just make him look awesome. Before you move on to the next award, I actually, not to put him on the spot, I would love to hear Andrew's take 
if he's available on chat. We keep trying to drag and, him out. I don't think he's coming uh, out. So, uh, Well, we'll see if he responds. I just wonder with Chet, um, as far as his messaging, and you guys might have seen some of this just in the media, like what's his spirit as it relates to being the guy who took such a tough blow last year, had his entire career you know, derailed or backtracked by a year, and now I could see him. I don't know him at all, but I could see the mentality being – all right, one year and everybody forgot about me. It's all about Victor. Like, does he have that? Like, let me go remind people who I am type thing. Do you guys have any insight there? Seems like it. Uh, you know, I did a story on him in uh, Summer League. And I went, you know, went to a couple of his availabilities and mostly just like watched the way he played at Summer League. Uh, you know, he had 14 blocks in four games and they were like high flying, challenging people at the rim. For some reason in the Utah version of that summer league, like the jazz players kept trying to dunk on him. Like he he stopped like four or five dunks in like a you know a one, two game stretch. And it just seemed like he was playing very unconcerned about his foot or his injury. Uh which to me is a sign and too like, you know, to more of what you're talking about, and Andrew is hopping in. Uh he does have a seems to have a mind like he's telling Damian Lillard after blogging you're too small. Like that's not, you know, your normal, you know, wallflower rookie or second year player. Andrew, what say you? Welcome to the show. Yeah, I think the obviously like the most interesting things about Chet for this team is just the the kind of target that he can be for these passers. This this team is full of passers. Like the entire starting lineup outside of Lou Dort are above average passers. And so they never really had a target like this. And then just the overall attitude of Chet is something they really didn't have. I, got, I think all these guys are super confident, but Chet just takes everything to a different level. Everything feels personal. And like he wants, I mean, the moment that everything flipped for Chet was whenever that headbutt happened. And obviously he talked about it in a tweet afterwards, but his game took off. I'm calling it Chet fuel uh, is what I'm calling it. Hey whenever now. like, whenever Chet has something happen where he feels like, Maybe he's disrespected, or I honestly think that the women Yama stuff is the best thing for him because I think he takes it personally when people tweet out that, like, oh, women Yama, like, uh, had the nutmeg last night. Oh my gosh, everybody's freaking out about it. I think it absolutely sends him into a tizzy and like he just wants to just absolutely be better than him. So I think if all the of this stuff is really good, do you for think him. they would deactivate his Twitter account or do you think overall the organization is like, you know what, we do need? <laughs> I think you know the answer to that, Slater. Yeah, I think yeah. you know are you the implying, answer. To that. <laughs> are you implying that the Thunder would ever consider an element of control? I didn't say they would. To- I just meant <laughs> if they had the opportunity, if they were given the chance, what would their preference be? That was my only question. Yeah, I think I think you know. I think you. What do you because mean? Sam Preston's like you know. the most out there personality there is. All his business in the streets. What are you talking about? <laughs> I could see him being like, you know what? Well, we need a little of this. And the funny thing, like, you know, we're, we're joking, but like they back. I mean, they had Russell Westbrook. It wasn't like he was a shrinking violin. Oh, Kendrick Perkins. That was an active yeah. social media user. I can remember some uh, some famous. I mean, ones. they did. They did have Ennis Cantor when he was uh, saying whatever he wanted. And they were genuinely worried that there were they were in actual physical violent danger because of right. his politics. Steven Adams, who certainly but, never tweeted crazy things, but put him in front of a microphone and they, they weren't controlling the narrative on that one. Well, yeah. I will uh, I'm going to rein us back in because yep, this is yep, my yep. podcast now. 
Sam has been Power officially. Hungry. I mean, I just got a message from Steven Ginsburg, you know, who runs the athletic. Oh, and, Lord. Now we're getting personal. <laughs> this is getting wild. Why do we give him these these responsibilities? He, I, this is honestly, this is really irresponsible. He just he just slacked me for some reason. I don't know why we even gave a podcast to Sam in the first place. So it's like unbe- <laughs> I, I can't believe he said that, Sam. I'm really sorry that he's, that hurts. he's talking about that. Like, That's really upsetting. But All anyway, right. let's let's run around. One thing I want to add before we move on to the next award which Slater mentions the body types. Chet's got the injury history. They got to play 65 games now. And so if we're talking about like, can Scoot come in there? Can Brandon Miller come in there? If if Chet, if they're like really help, like, you know, they're cautious with his body, he gets a little banged up and they're like, you're not going to play. And he ends up playing 62. And when Banyama plays, plays 62, and all of a sudden Scoot played 75, that maybe that's your best candidate. Maybe that's the guy. Uh, we are gonna talk most valuable player in one second, but before we do, let's take a quick break. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. I know I'm looking outside right now. Sun's out. Birds are chirping. It's time to start getting outside. Uh, I know that I like to get outside and play basketball with my kids, and honestly, I need to get into a fitness routine in order to keep up with these guys, and Peloton is there for me. Peloton's varying class links were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout, whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class, or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals. Peloton's classes were made to challenge you. There are a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, or marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you're already excelling in. Peloton's program and instruction push you to be your best. Their expert coaches and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run indoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic 
Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And you know what? Maybe I should be fired because before I went to the break, I didn't actually take your guys' picks on. Uh, I on thought you said we Sam. were circling back. All right, you we're know. doing picks. Yeah, we're circling rookie back. Rookie of the Just year. Rookie I've of the year. Got, this is for you, Chad. One name. I've got the best young big man in the game, Victor Wembanyama. <laughs> I'll take Chet. <laughs> I'm going to take Chet, too. It's more fun to take Chet. They have some gains you know, early in the season, so uh, the, we can we can circle back. Well, We will circle back to Listen, this. Listen, LeBron uh, James called Victor an alien, and then he went and ducked the ball from 17 feet away from the rim as if he was you know, the guy in Terminator 2 whose arm stretches out like, you know, he's pretty good. But I covered, I covered Thomas Bryant and a running joke throughout the entire wizards organization. When I covered Thomas Bryant was his facial expression <laughs> that he had the funniest facial expressions while on the court of anybody in the league. So it was amazing as someone who covered Thomas Bryant and knows how animated of a personality he is. You know, his funny sense of humor. How animated. They now have the player who I covered his- whose facial expressions were a running joke. His name is uh, Jordan Poole. He had 41 last night. There you and go. And not to pivot us to the MVP conversation, but maybe wow. we can wow. Jordan Poole into wow. that match. Wow. Just kidding. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, seeing Thomas Bryant go viral because the NBA world picks up on his reaction to Victor Wembanyama like Space Jam dunking on him from the free throw line was incredible. But let's do MVP. You're let's doing great, Fred, because Slater's out here um, picking Jordan Poole for MVP. But I did, you know, it, it, we needed your, the dark horse man. candidate. Get your man. Yeah. Jordan, Jordan Poole had 41 on 19 shots last night. Just I won't put the name out there. Let's do the most improved player award, so I had to rope him into some conversation. All right, Fred, real quick before we yeah. jump on MVP, jokes <laughs> aside, a Warriors uh, person, I don't want to put them out there, last night asked, I think Slater was right there. Yeah, we were talking about over-under on Jordan Poole 29 this year i thought that over under was high i i was pushing it down to more 25 but then you see this 41 and who the hell knows like what's jordan pool gonna uh, average this they year? said t- they said 29 is the over under and we were both like ah we go under you know we're, we're talking mid-20s and then like 20 minutes later i see the same person and they're like uh 29 and a half right now in in new york <laughs> i'm like oh that's kind of interesting so. yeah I, i'm i'm under the wizards have nba players you know you know who's gonna make sure jordan Jordan Poole does not average 29. Kyle Kyle Kuzma. Yes. That's that's who. Like the Wizards have like NBA. They're they're in the weird transition stage of they haven't broken it down all the way yet. Like they still like they have like Danilo Gallinari. Like I'm at the Wizards game last night and I see Danilo Gallinari. I'm like, I totally forgot that Danilo Gallinari was on the Wizards. Like they they have NBA players who are who are real players, even though they're not going to be good. But even I don't want to talk about the Wizards right now. MVP, I'm going to throw it at you with a little bit of a different angle. And Slater, I'm going to ask you first. Will this year's MVP be somebody who has won the award before, or will it be a first-time award winner? Yeah, because I'm probably going to pick Giannis. So, yes, would be the answer to your question. But I have candidates that would be in the other category, first-time winners. There's there's a few out there. So, 
if it were a first time winner, if if I told you MVP this year is someone who's never won MVP before, Luca, who do you think it was? I think if Dallas has a pretty good season, it's going to be mostly based on just him. He's supposedly in very good shape, right? You know, running stairs. He had like the rocky summer. I feel like um, I just, you know, it doesn't feel like this kind of. It felt like last year he was maybe uh, it was overblown the MVP conversation. Now I feel like it's it's quieted. And this could be the season that, you know, they have to win, right? That's the big thing. They need to be like a, a four or five seed, which, you know, at this point would, would seem kind of surprising, right? I don't think anybody's picking Dallas up there. So if they win to that level, you know he's going to be great if they win at that level. But do so you he, think he would Slater, not in that scenario. I, I've a, I actually don't think he would be winning it if it was four or five. I think he's got to honestly be, you know, top three because when you're going like there's that unofficial not supposed to be part of it but is calculus of playoff track record so you're gonna have voters who might look at last year like i voted Giannis last year and anybody who voted Jokic, you can't be mad at it you know you could argue that should have been the pick but these guys who have won titles now Jokic being part of that group and guys you know with luca there's that that cloud hanging over him that in terms of playoff basketball still the one trip to the conference finals is kind of the only box that he's checked i think he's got to be dominant in the regular season to get through that idea and that narrative of him not being in that class of guys who have gotten it done when it mattered most in the postseason he's been great in the postseason by the way you know like think about the Clippers series that he's had think about the Sun series he had in that second round where he just daggered basically ended the the last real remnants of that 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 Suns team uh and like so I I, I just at least don't think the narrative will be hey he's failed in the playoffs he obviously hasn't won no not I just think you know four or five if if you're looking at that conceivably Denver would be above him in the standings you know, Milwaukee be above him in the standings. Philly would be, you know, I think Philly's going to have a hard time being up that high. But no, I, I think it'll be hard for Luka. If I had to pick uh, a guy, Fred, who's never won it, I don't see him doing it. But to me, you know, it'd be a Jason Tatum thing. If the Drew Holiday thing clicks, uh, if Porzingis clicks, if, if they're dominant, even if his numbers, I mean, ironically, maybe aren't what they were previously, the two way profile the leadership component that again if they let's say they win the east um jason tatum is going to get the lion's share of the credit along with jalen brown uh you know and, and he's just he's carrying himself uh on and off the court like a guy who wakes up in the morning feeling like the best player in basketball um so i you know it wouldn't shock me if we had a jason tatum mvp year yeah you know good transition sam because i'll just go into my pick then because tatum tatum's my pick and Part of the reason why is because I think it's terrible podcasting to just say Nikola Jokic or Giannis. It's just, it's just awful. You can't, Third you time. can't share. Well, hold on, now I got to be your podcasting coach. You you can't tell people like the behind the scenes reality that you're really partly saying what you're saying for engagement. That you can't share these secrets, Fred. It's not for engagement. I don't okay. care about engagement. It's just because, social media influence. You. No, it's not. It's not for that. Trust me. The last <laughs> thing I want is social media influence. All I want is to have an interesting conversation. Uh, but I actually, I've I've kind of talked myself into Tatum, and and the reason why Boston has an older roster slash guys with injury histories. I think even if they're incredible and everything goes great, something will go wrong. Like Horford, for example, isn't going to play on back-to-backs. He didn't play on back-to-backs last year. He's not going to play on back-to-backs this year at 37 years old. Uh, Chris Porzingis 
has an injury history. Uh, Tatum plays every night. He's just always out there. If the Celtics move up to one or two in the East, they look like a title favorite. And this team is just rolling over teams in spite of maybe Porzingis missing some time, not having Horford for every single game of the regular season. Drew Holiday's 33. We'll see what happens. I think Drew Holiday's awesome, but you know they might want to take a more cautious approach with his body considering their ambitions are not to win 65 games. Their ambitions are to win a title. Uh, I, I just think that Tatum has... This is his time. This is his moment. He's going to play a ton of games, so I feel good about that. He's consistently healthy. Can, can I give you the, the argument against? You can. Uh, I just think he's he's in a tier below the the guys we're talking about. I think he's obviously an awesome player. He's an all NBA type guy, but I think he's rightfully viewed as not that elite. He's not a Giannis Jokic level player. He's not a you know Steph. Uh, LeBron from back in the day, Kevin Durant type. Like he's it, to me, he's it, he's viewed like he's just never broken into that tier. And I think part of that is because I just don't think he is that good. Now, like you, you could say I'm criticizing him. I'm saying he's probably like the seventh, eighth, ninth best player in the league. I just don't think he's first, second, third. So I like that's where even in past years when he's had awesome seasons and the Celtics have been one, two seeds. When I look at the MVP at the end of the season, you're just like, look, Giannis is better. Like Jokic is better. They're just better players. So that's why I don't think he's going to break. Slater just won't let him uh, live down his finals performance against the Warriors a few years ago. I mean, is that like, you know, that showed his flaws. Like, you know, he's turnover prone. I mean, you're certainly not wrong. Steph's never struggled in the finals. Just saying. Oh, no. I mean, I, I think it, it is a fair Dr- counter. Drunk oh, Sam, Sam coming at him. Sam, Sam, do you think... If you're you not watching Jason the video, Tatum, by the way, Sam just took a is, shot of Everclear as he was saying great that. Great band, too. <laughs> Play Sam, Sam do you think yes. Do you think Jason Tatum is, as a player, on the on the Giannis Jokic tier? Or do you think he can get there? You know, because maybe he can. Well, uh, no, but you're those are two different things. You just named two names. So is, is Tatum behind Giannis and Jokic? Yes. Do I think he's the third best player in the game? No, he's in that conversation. Eight nines a little low. Um, you know, I I would honestly, you know, I you, my my Luca perspective probably came through a little bit a minute ago. I mean, I Luca's incredible. Luca's a one direction player. Um, Jason Tatum is not. You know, in terms of value to his team, you know, Tatum is in the Luca conversation for me. I yep. think. Boston would have to be far and away the best team in the league, like maybe have like a 63-64 win type season, which, by the way, is on the table. So I do think that's where maybe he breaks through, where it's like, wow, by far best team, and he's obviously best player on then what would be the best team. Yeah. I I, I, th- I honestly think that's that's in the cards. And, and look, he's got the numbers of an MVP. I, I don't disagree with anything you said, by the way, Slater. He's obviously not as good as Jokic or... Or Giannis, but we just have lots of times in league history where the guy who we don't think is the best player in the league ends up. I mean, Joel Embiid's the reigning MVP. Is is Tatum in the discussion with Joel Embiid? Yes, I agree. Yeah, yeah, he's Embiid's tier. He's Embiid's tier. I mean, when you guys were putting together the MVP ballot last season, um, you would have considered Embiid in a tier above Tatum as a player. Like you well, just would Tatum, Tatum, Tatum didn't have as good of a year as Embiid did last year, which is why Embiid won it and Tatum didn't. But Tatum's like 
he was on the ballot last year. Like he's right there. And if Boston has this season yeah. where they they run through the league, I think I think he's he's a good My choice. Guess but be Jason Tatum will be like fourth um, fifth on MVP ballots, which means he's an awesome player. But I just, let's I, let's make uh, let's make our picks. I, I'm I, and and then we'll move on. Uh, Sam, who you got? Put me on the spot first. Um, obviously didn't make my pick before doing the pod. Now finding ways to stall. It's boring, and Fred doesn't want boring as the resident podcast host. But, you know, I'm going to go back to Jokic. Um, I think that Giannis's season is going to involve a lot of uh, Slater. It's a little bit potentially reminiscent. It's a little apples to oranges here, but – when Kevin Durant came to the Warriors, Steph Curry, you know, had to figure out how things functioned. I think Giannis, you know, it's it's not a super team in that regard uh, in Milwaukee. Um, you know, Chris Middleton's a very good player, but they're not as loaded as those Kevin Durant Warriors. But I still think that Giannis's adjustment period is going to probably impact his MVP candidacy in terms of wanting to be deferential to Damian Lillard and you know, let him get comfortable in Milwaukee. So, you know, I voted for Giannis last year, but I don't see that this year. And listen, I mean, you know, we covered that title run. Jokic is incredible, and now the rules are set up so that he, he is incentivized to play, and he always plays a lot anyway. Um, so, you know, you're going to get to the end of the year, and, and there's going to be the Nuggets near the top of the standings and, and incredible numbers, and that's a pretty good combo. Slater, who you got? Uh, Giannis, um, but I do think, like I said, Luca would be the dark horse, uh, in my opinion. Great, and uh, you heard me. I got Tatum. Let's move on. Defensive Player of the Year. I, I think this could be a really interesting discussion because there are about a million candidates. Uh, Sam is gonna throw out like Walker Kessler or some shit. We got anybody. I feel like that's somebody you would throw out, not Sam. I, I would. That's true. I'm You're not going to pick you Chet Holmgren for it everything? I tried to blame Sam for throwing it no, out. No, I'm Chet not Holmgren picking Walker Kessler. Where uh, was the Chet Holmgren MVP discussion? I mean, why, why is Chet not getting any? <laughs> I'll, I'll throw somebody out. I mean, I, I can just say who I think my pick is going to be. Uh, I, I'm making Evan Mobley the favorite. I, I just think Evan Mobley is going to come out this season with some shit to him. He got his ass kicked in the playoffs last year by Mitchell Robinson. And if you're Evan Mobley and you're that talent level and you're on defensive player of the year ballots and you're looked at as, you know, the next great coming in the league and rightfully so because the dude is going to be awesome and he's so good at so many things especially on the defensive side it was only his second year and i think some people look at it and they're like he's skinny he looked soft against mitchell robinson they could not keep the knicks off the boards in the least uh neither could jared allen and they look at it and they say he got exposed that's a flaw in his game and the other way to look at it is he's like 21 years old and that was his first time playing in the playoffs and what happens with a lot of great players when they get their ass kicked the first time in the playoffs, when Kobe Bryant shows up for a series as a teenager and he airballs a couple of three-pointers, he comes back and he says, oh, that's never happening again. Uh, and I have a feeling Evan Mobley, along with all the natural progression that happens for an awesomely talented player in his early 20s, is going to come back with a different kind of fierceness this year. I think Cleveland could be really good because of it. 
He and Jared Allen are a fantastic defensive combination. Mobley blocks shots. He guards the perimeter. He's switchable. They use him on anybody. I, I, I just his his body is 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 probably going to get better as well, just because like he's still really young. He's disciplined. Like I I, I feel like we're about to see a monster defensive season from Evan Mobley. Good logic. I like that. You know. He was, uh, saw he, was some third, of that he was third in, in it last year, by the way. So he, he yeah. you know, he, that that would signal ready for a breakthrough. By the way, since you're disparaging Walker Kessler on this pod of yours, I Fred, wasn't. Walker these, Kessler is is freaking good, but he's not much of a player. USA participant. This Vegas, Yaka Vegas should have been my pick. I should have been. I thought right. the, my, I thought you at least might be your dark horse pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These Vegas odds that I'm looking at, I'm not going to say where because it's probably not a partner of the company. But uh, Walker is tenth, so he's not that far down. But Slater, before we get to some of the other picks, how would Draymond Green feel about being 14th according to this Vegas uh, list here? That's pretty but rough. That day, that actually is surprising. He was fourth last season. Uh, in the I actual think fans vote. might need to go put some money on Draymond. For Guys, I think I think I think when we talk about these awards, we have to factor in the new rules. Like, is Draymond going to play sixty five games? Sixty? Yeah, I mean he's he's been pretty durable in his career. Obviously, you know last Draymond, year. Draymond hasn't played sixty five games in half a decade. How many? Did you Although get I last? guess I'm I guess I guess I'm I'm in, that's he would the point have, of the rule. He would have in twenty 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 one, but it was the it was the shortened season. Yeah. That's the point uh, of the rule. I don't, you don't no, think it's incorrect. I should say last last year he was the first time he played. Yeah, he played 73 games last year, and he was yeah. fourth in defensive player of the year. Um, so I think 14th is too low. I am not picking Draymond Green, uh, but I I would agree. Like, Name a few people that he's lower than that is probably outrageous. <laughs> I mean, Jaren, you know, the reigning DPOY champ, Jaron Jackson Jr., I think a lot of folks are going to stray away because the foul trouble is such a real thing. Um We've got Anthony Davis, Giannis, Bam Adebayo, Wembenyana on this list is sixth. Rudy Gobert, Brooke Lopez, Jarris Walker, Walker Kessler, Drew Holiday. And it's low for Drew, too. Uh, Nicholas uh, Claxton, Joel Embiid, Draymond Green. Nick Claxton Embiid, being man. above him is... Yes. Dray Draymond's the best defender of his generation. But I will, I will say... The games play thing is gonna throw a wrench in in all this stuff. Like, so go it, for young folks. You're saying, yeah, like Evan Mobley played a lot last year. That's part of why Cleveland was good. Their guys just played a lot of minutes. Not to stay on the usual. And, suspects. and can I throw another name out there who probably won't play 65 games? But yep, I don't know. I don't know why. I just keep thinking. I keep thinking that Anthony Davis is due for this. He had so many phenomenal defensive moments last year. I thought you were about to go like Ben Simmons or something right there. With the, no. So. He was just not the same defensively. James Harden. I mean, Ben Simmons at his peak was freaking A defensive player of the year, kid. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, but but he was not physically the same specimen, although he's looked better in the preseason. He's, he's dunking more. Nets Twitter is excited. He's dunked three times in the preseason. It's a big deal, but I'm not picking Ben Simmons. No, All right. uh, but, but Anthony Davis, if he plays enough, is that your pick? No, no. My pick okay. is Evan Mobley, but Anthony oh, Davis you already did that. Sorry. Anthony Davis, if he plays enough, which you want to talk about not playing enough. The last time Anthony Davis played 65 games was 2018. Uh, so we'll see, but that's a dude who like the Lakers defense could be really, really good. I think if, if Milwaukee's defense gets 
somehow gets into like the top 10, I think you have to look at Brook Lopez or Giannis as as possibilities for that because their perimeter defense is going to be really shoddy. Right, and I'm if they have a strategy where they just pack the paint and it works, those guys are going to bear huge responsibility for it. Sam, and for Jaron Jackson Jr., for what it's worth, first of all, he struggled in FIBA, which doesn't really affect my opinion. But the problem with him, Sam, you mentioned the foul trouble. He he really has to play the four. And if Steven Adams is not going to be there and he's not going to be healthy and he, he seems to have health problems now more and more as the years go on because he plays such a physical style and Jackson has to slot over to the five, when he plays the five, his foul rate goes through the roof. When he's the right. four next to Steven Adams, that's when he's at his best. And if he's at the five, he's going to foul like crazy. So I just, if he has to play more five this year, and and there's there's no Brandon Clark there with him, like like, it just makes me a little nervous about him as a candidate. Fair enough. No, Jaron. Uh, I don't love my pick, but uh, Fred already kind of spoiled it. The Giannis or Slater did this. The Giannis component, to me, I don't know how it's going to turn out, but if they are an elite defense with Damian Lillard in their starting five, losing Grayson Allen as well. He's a good defender. Um, I think it'll reflect very well on Giannis because he's going to have an even greater responsibility this season um, because of their makeup. And if he meets that challenge, if he hands more of the offensive duties to Dame and he's you know kind of that that hellish, uh, incredible force on defense, helping weak side and, and, and starting the break you know on the regular basis, then I could see Giannis winning it again. I'm going with Bam Adebayo. Uh, I feel like Miami's got a chance for kind of an FU regular season, right? People kind of, including Fred Katz, is is really sleeping on him, right? He angered uh, some of their fan base last week, saying the Indiana Pacers are going to be better than the Miami Heat. I think Bam Adebayo may have heard that and may have a monster defensive season. I mean, we all know what he's capable of on that end. So if he just plays a lot, they win. I think he's got a, a, a path to it. I think that's a great pick. I'm on the record of saying that if I had a vote last year, I would have voted for Bam for Defensive Player of the Year. He's he's incredible. Just unbelievable defender. Maybe the most versatile defender in the league now. I I I I'm gonna go Evan Mobley though. I think he's got a leap in him. Let's move let's let's uh yeah, ping let's, us on a few more of these. Let's let's we got Slater, you See, gave Slater, me the perfect. Fred, that's Slater's way of saying, like, this is your podcast voice coming in, the pacing. Let's go. Let's go, this Fred. Is, hey, well, Slater hey, gave hey. me the perfect transition because okay. look at look at what I'm doing right now. Look at what I'm doing. For those who can see the video, what am I doing? You're way Getting too close, way to, too the close to the camera. I don't know I'm, why. I'm leaning into it. Coach of the year is going to be the coach of the team that's going to jump into the top six in the Eastern Conference. Rick Carlisle. Wow. Let's talk about the Indiana Pacers. Oh, man. When the Pacers right, win 46 games. Get, in, get out on this one, please. No, Coach of the Year. There are a lot of Tell good candidates. Tell us how this Rick is... Carlisle is so much better than Eric Spolstra, just so the Heat fans can hear this. <laughs> there you Eric go. Eric Spolstra is the best coach in the NBA, so I got nothing on that. Uh, you know, coach Rick of the Carlisle year generally coach him in the finals one time, though. That did happen. That, that absolutely true. happened. Uh, Rick Carlisle is a fantastic coach, though. Uh, yep. Coach of the year essentially goes to basically what team defied expectations the most, right? Like we could just name this, which team is going to have the biggest wins jump, right? Uh, so we can use this as a vessel. 
Um, Sam, who do you think is an interesting candidate here? Well, as you all know, and Slater qualifies here as well, I live in the Sacramento area where the only unanimous coach of the year winner, Mike Brown, is currently holding the trophy. Um, I don't see that happening again. No disrespect to Mike. We'll see. I think the Kings will have a good year. Coach of the year for this year, we've already established that Sam didn't do his homework, so Sam is now deciding in real time. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I'm intrigued. I don't know if I'm ready to pick this guy. I'm intrigued by Frank Vogel because if the Suns click, uh, and I do think Frank could have a beautiful blend of kind of like personality and staff and experience and like where he's at to make it work. Um, you know, I mean, we have not even literally mentioned Kevin Durant's name on this pod. We didn't talk about him for MVP or anything. And Kevin Durant, I is mentioned a bad that, man. that Jason Tatum has never been at Kevin Durant's level. I didn't mention that. Yeah. And Kevin age, notwithstanding, uh, I think is potentially prime for a, a fantastic year. Yeah, now that I being agree. said, Devin Booker is a bad man. So you get into that discussion about like, I don't even know at this point who the best player on the Suns is, just being honest. Um, but Kevin at his peak, Kevin, if he's healthy, you know, with Bradley Beal, you know, uh, Fred's familiar uh, player, guy he knows really well, that could work. If it works, Frank Vogel's going to get a lot of coach of the year love, especially considering that in the West, even with all their star power, I think most folks are, for some reason, looking over the Suns. Yeah, so Sam, I'll, I'll add on to that. That's a, that's a, I, I like that. That's a good pick. That's a good Thanks, pick. Thanks, buddy. I, I, I'll add on to that, and I'll say one of the things that I think people with the Suns were waiting on was, okay, Bradley Beal has been the number one guy on a team for a long time. He's a multi-time All-Star and a two-time 30-point scorer. Is he going to show up? And whether I don't think anybody thought he was going to show up being like, give me the ball. I'm better than Kevin Durant. But is he going to show up and how is he going to take habitually to being the third best guy? Is he going to recognize right away like, OK, I'm number three. And I can say I think people with Phoenix are like super encouraged by how he's come in and handled that from the way it's been described to me. It's just been like he showed up. He's like. This is Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, and I'm just going to run around screens and I'm going to get my points. Ray Allen on on Boston style. Uh, and and he doesn't have to worry about double teams and all that kind of stuff at the same degree that he did with the Wizards. Uh, that is very encouraging for them because that offense, if Beal just decides I'm going to be an animal off the ball, which, by the way, he's one of the best off ball players in the league. We kind of forget about it because he had to carry such a burden with the Wizards. But the dude is is an amazing cutter, amazing running around pin downs. He's like the best in the league at back cutting traps. Like if they, if he buys in, like, I think that's the, that's the cog, right? Then everybody else follows. And, and I've heard very encouraging signs from there from a uh, personality standpoint. Um, so yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe they just destroy everybody because they're so talented and Vogel gets everyone to buy in and that, that gets them. Okay, Slater, I got my got? winner, which I'm actually going to go with Mark Dagnall. Thunder, he was second last season. If they make the leap that many are predicting, uh, it seems natural. Especially he, on this pod. Yeah, right. Uh, but, I mean, look, he got second last season. Uh, and, you know, if they if they are a playoff team, right, a top six team, 
I think it's just the natural storyline of like, hey, have you seen the job this guy's been doing in the last four seasons? He should win it this year. Uh, so that's my pick. A couple dark horse candidates, if they have surprising seasons, Quinn Snyder in Atlanta. You know, he he got the like he, he remember the way he coached even through the, you know the first round of the playoffs last year, kind of pushing Boston. I think he has an opportunity if Atlanta has a good season. And Ime Udoka is going to Trae come Young in and put his imprint on the Houston Rockets. I don't know if it's going to go well, but if it does, you know, just like remember Mike Brown last season, it was like so much of their growth and story was about what he was as a personality. It'll be similar with Udoka in uh, Houston if it goes well. Real quick yeah. before you take over, Fred, I keep going back to Vegas. Uh, it's so funny how this stuff works. Like I just looked at two different Vegas odds for coach of the year, and I understand the narrative matters. Mike Brown's not even in the top 10 on these coach of the year odds, which I find very odd, pun intended. That's that's why I say this award is just which team is going to outplay expectations <clears throat> the most. That's really just right. what it is. If it were if it were who do you think is the best coach, then it would go to Greg Popovich and Eric Spolstra every single season. And then I, it's a little end. bit like once you get it, you like disqualified yourself for uh, the next season. Slater, I'm surprised. Like you think that Miami's going to be really good? Hasn't Eric Spolstra never won coach of the year? You you guys tell me. I don't know. Has I'm he pretty not? sure I'm pretty sure he's never won coach of the year. I don't which think is, he has. I will confirm. Which is It would be quite a heel turn by you here to go pick Eric Spolstra for coach of the year after last podcast you said the Indiana no. pick- I'm not going to pick him because I just don't think they're going to be there. You also just pick Rick Carlisle. I'm going to pick Rick Carlisle. You know what? I'm actually higher on Indiana than I was last week because I'm watching Aaron Neesmith in the preseason. Oh and that dude is ready for a leap. He looks good. They are Sam, his, his reasoning they for, for Frank good. Vogel is because Bradley Beal is like trapping the ball or whatever. His reason for Rick Carlisle is because Aaron Neesmith had a few threes in a preseason Oh, game. Fred's a nerd. Co- oh, well, there was no denying that. Yes, Fred is a nerd. We didn't exactly. need this for confirmation. <laughs> didn't need this for confirmation. But yeah, I'm going Rick Carlisle. Could I throw out one more name as just like maybe a candidate? Real quick uh, to c- confirm, Eric, Eric has never won it. Ever. Yeah, Pat, which is Pat Riley wild. 93, Pat Riley of the Heat won it. Last Heat winner. Isn't that crazy that Spolster's never won it? 97, 97. Like, yeah. like at some point, Spolster's got to get it. So if if they just like they lose Gabe Vincent and they lose Struess and I'm totally wrong and they win 50 games or whatever, like at some point, like it's he's got to get it just as a career achievement award. Uh, I'm throwing Jamal Mosley's name out there too. Ooh. Uh, Orlando in the last 60 or so games of the year basically played 500 ball last year and they were a top 10 defense. Uh, Franz is Franz Wagner is so talented and going to be so good. Boncaro is so talented and going to be so good. They have a super interesting young core. If that team ends up like getting into the play in and winning 42 games, 43 games, I, I just I think people are going to say stuff because of also how they win. Like you have a team that young playing defense that good. All of a sudden people go to, why is this young team so good defensively? And they start looking at the coach. I think they're very well coached. And and I think I think people could start to realize that if they start to win some games this year. But let's move on to the final one. Executive of the year. What huge move is going to work out? Anthony Slater. Now to be clear, by the way, I'll go quick. The media doesn't vote on executive of the year. The executives executive, vote. Yeah. So it becomes a popularity contest. Yeah, so you can't uh, pick somebody everybody hates. Slater, who you got? It, 
Ah, uh, Brad Stevens, I guess I'll go with, you know, he makes the Porzingis trade and then, you know, he's a beneficiary of the Lillard trade by, you know, slipping Drew Holiday in there. If they are awesome, which mm, I'd probably pick them to lead the league in, in regular season wins. Remember, this is a regular season award. Um, I would go with him because you can just point to two trades that, hey, that's what helped them win 61 games or whatever. Sam, you have strong thoughts? I'm going to go with, I mean, these are somewhat predictable, but I'll go with John Horst, Bucks GM. <clears throat> now, admittedly, he's very top of mind. I'm writing a story about that situation uh, pretty soon here. And the, to me, Dame, at 34 years old, I believe, um, you know, finally gets this kind of an opportunity, a lot of regular season motivation. Again, we talked earlier about integrating with Giannis. Um, Adrian Griffin, first-year coach. So, you know, it's if it works and if it's good, um, you know, that's going to reflect well on John and the move that he made. And I think, you know, even more big picture and macro is just that idea that, you know, again, use that word narrative, you know, three years ago almost, John rolls the dice and, and gets Drew Holiday um, from New Orleans at a time when Giannis's future was uncertain. We didn't know if he was going to sign the extension. He relieves the Giannis pressure by getting Drew Holiday. They win the championship. A couple years later, it's you know a strikingly similar landscape, and John does it again, and really out of nowhere. You know, we heard Milwaukee a little bit tied to Dame, but not much, and certainly not for Drew Holiday. And uh, and and you know the way he got that deal done was was pretty high level. Um, and so if that works out like they're hoping it does, I could you know certainly see him winning it. Well, I kid you not, I have written in my Google Doc under Executive of the Year either Brad Stevens or John Horst. Sure. So I think we're very on the same page. I'll, I'll throw out James Jones. Yeah. Like this thing could go sideways. However, if Phoenix is awesome and all those minimum guys who they signed are awesome and the Beal trade turns out awesome, I mean, James Jones is going to be getting the credit for that. And by the way, James Jones is also like a well-respected, well-liked guy around the league. So people, people will throw him votes. Uh, I mean, I guess if... You know, New Orleans got off to such a hot start last year and they're getting Zion back. And like, I guess we could throw them out. Like maybe Willie Green is a coach of the year candidate as somebody who could who could have a leap. Uh, and, and and there's some other teams who had interesting off seasons, but I don't know. I feel like those are the ones. It's normally like who made Mike Dunleavy when Chris Paul move. is in the MVP race. I, I mean, Dunleavy is <laughs> an interesting name right. if they have a good regular season, right? Because we're talking about a regular season again. But yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, a couple of years ago, um, they were viewed as like probably a six, seven, eight type seed. And remember, they went eighteen and two to start. They ended up winning the title, obviously. And Bob Myers was suddenly thrown into it. So, yeah, if they if the Chris Paul trade looks Mike like is... it works out really well and they're really good in the regular season, his name will be you know among those talked about. I don't know if you guys disagree, yeah. but I, I think there's almost this like high schoolish type vibe with executive of the year, where typically my memory is. That the, the the newer kids in town, so to speak, don't get as much love. So to me, a lot of Mike's colleagues at the front office level would subconsciously still have Bob Myers' influence in that role. I think he would have a hard time getting those kinds of votes, even if he got respect. Yeah. Tell that to Zach Kleiman, though. It would have to that look like when the he was Chris 16. Paul trade was like, <laughs> wow, that really transformed him because yeah. Yeah, he yeah. did. That was his move. That was not a Bob Myers. Right. Yeah, I'll throw I'll throw Rob Palenka out there as a candidate yeah, yeah. too. I like the That's a good one. I, I like the Lakers off season. Like they they made a lot of moves that made a lot of sense. Like 
if 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 they get Christian Wood to just if they can just they can siphon out the talent if they can oh, do it. Then like that. Out I mean, I agree with you on Rob Belinka, but don't make that's that getting your reasoning. You, yes. No, no, it's not. But I, I loved uh, the Gabe Vincent signing. I think he's perfect for them. And and if they come out and they just are really, really good, I think that's that's somebody who could be be in the uh, be in the talk as well. All right. We did it. Sam, Fred, you want the podcast back? you did back? so well. I'm so proud of you. This is such a big moment. Sam, I will. So here's the deal. If you want the podcast back, you show up to a, a bench on 69th and 2nd with a briefcase. <laughs> All right. Leave the briefcase there. Somebody will come pick it up and I will get you the podcast back. Okay. What's got to be inside this briefcase? Lots of cash? Unbelievable amounts of cash. Okay. I can't even put a number on it. All right. I want I want unbelievable I mean, amounts I of cash, but I will say this. But he sounds so Trumpy right now. He's like an unbelievable <laughs> amount of cash, the most cash you could. <laughs> you know what I'll take? You know all what I'll take instead? I'll take I'll take either all of the money that you owe me from the Lakers swear jar, or just a series of Jakob Pertle memorabilia jerseys and signed photos and all of that. I could arrange and a meeting between take. the two of you. That's what I could do. Perfect. Yeah. Well, so could Raptors PR. So you're going to have to do better than that. <laughs> All right. That is that is it for today. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Sam, thank you so much for letting me make fun of you on your podcast. Fred Katz's tampering uh, pod. Love it. Good stuff. Appreciate you guys. 